Good morning. Today's daf is daf vav. Today's shir is Ilunishma Shifra Shulamis Batosh Leib Hakohen, and Yoshua Yitzchak Ben Shal Ruven Halevi. May the neshamas have an aliyah, and may the memory be a blessing. Um, so we've been discussing rain, as I pointed out at the beginning, and we'll see. Rain is uh, was and is very essential to the world and to people. It's interesting enough, especially in places like Eretz Yisrael, it creates a it's one of the main uh, ways that it creates a bond between Hashem and the Jewish people. This that uh, it comes as a reward and it's withheld as a punishment. Um, and yeah, we'll see. It's even described just over the page in a quite an intimate term the, the connection between rain and the ground. Um, but back to defining. So now we just want to see. Um, we mentioned the. The first rains, etc. So we're going to define some of the terms we used for rain. So Ton Rabon and Yore. What is the phrase Yore, which it says it's, we refer to the first rains as Yore? So it says It warns, it teaches the people that they must start plastering their roof, their roofs, and bring in their produce, and get ready for the coming winter, the rainy season. So it's a this, uh, this first rain is a warning, you know, check the leaks in your roof, make sure your gutters are good, um, bring in anything that's not waterproof from outside, etc. That's the yore from the language of um, teach. teach. Another explanation is that it's miraves, again, similar root to more or yore, is that it saturates the ground and it waters it all the way to the depth. Shenemar, as it says, it will saturate your um, furrows, and it will bring pleasantness to the people, and it will, with showers it will soften, and then your growth can be blessed. So that's rave uh, from itself and saturates the ground, which enables all the plants to grow. Dovar acher, another explanation, a third explanation. Yore, what does yore mean? Sheyored benachas, it goes down gently. Ve'ena yored bezav, and it does not go down in a storm. Now the Gemara is asking, he says, okay, up to here, we've assumed that the phrase yore has a positive Connotation and it's for and it's a rain that's for bracha. So now the Gemara asks, or Ella, who says that yore is for bracha? Maybe it's actually a bad thing. It says, Maybe it throws down the produce and and washes away the grain, and washes away the trees. How do you know that you're translating Yoras comes down, but it comes down well? Maybe it comes down in a way that causes destruction. And Rashi brings a pasuk where we find that uh, the term Yore is used as a destructive throwing down and breaking. So maybe that's the connotations of the word Yore. Who says that it's for a bracha? So the Gemara says, no, Tamil Lama Malkush. No, it connects it to Malkush. Again, this is in Shema. It says... Uh, um, if you fulfill Hashem's word, so he says, 
Talmud Lama Malkush, Ma Malkush Lebrocha, Af Yore Lebrocha. Just as Malkush, the late rains, again, we have these two types of rain we're discussing, Yore or Malkush. So just as Malkush, the late rains, are for a Brocha, so too Yore is for a Brocha. Is all Einer a Malkush? But wait, maybe we can say Malkush is also not for a Brocha. She may be Malkush is, Elishemapil Eshabotim, Umashbir Eshailonos. It raises houses and breaks the trees. Mal, um, you know, sasokoin, or brings um, brings up the cockroaches. The rain causes all these insects to start uh, flying around. I malkush um, could come from the language of mal, like cut off, similar to bris miller, cutting off, but mal cut off and kasha, what is hard. So it is hard and it cuts, it destroys. Or another explanation Rashi brings is that. And this we'll see um, brought clearly a bit later down the page. But Malkush, it, 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 perform, it cuts off what is harsh. But Israel gets stubborn and they start sinning. And the Malkush comes as a, as a miller and uh, it uh, cuts off their, what, their stubbornness so that they do tshuva and masim tobim so that they get the, and daven to Hashem so that the rain comes pleasantly. So maybe Malkush is also a negative sort of rain. So Talmud Lomar, Yore. No, the Torah says Yore. Ma Yore Librocha, Af Malkush Librocha. Just as Yore is clearly for a Brocha, so to Malkush is a Brocha. Of Yore Gufaminolan. Where do we know that Yore? Where do we see that Yore itself is a Brocha? Tirsiv, as it's written, Uvnei Tzion Gilu V'Yismuch V'Somchu Ba'ashem Elokeichem. B'nei Yisrael rejoiced and they celebrated with Hashem their God, Kinosan Lochem Es HaMoreh, Litztoko, he gave them a charity of Moreh, the Yore Lochem Geshen, Moiru Malkush Berishon, and Yore, and this rain came down, is then both Yore, the first rains, and Malkush, the later rains, Berishon and Nisan. Remember, that was what we learned yesterday, there was that famine in Yoel, and they, the prophet told them, trust in Hashem, sow your grain, and in 11 days, the grain Grew, but we see there they speak about the Morelitztoko, the the Yore, the first rains came as a tzedakah, as a which is and bracha. So we see clearly from that pasuk that Yore is a positive thing. So now we can understand the pasuk in Kriyashma when it says, "If you fulfill Hashem's word, then I'll give rain to your land." Yore Malkush as a bracha, Bito Yore Malkush. So Tan Rabban and Yoyre b'Mal Cheshvan u'Malkush b'Nisan. We learned in the Brisa that Yoyre is in Cheshvan and Malkush is in Nisan. Ato Omer Yoyre b'Mal Cheshvan u'Malkush b'Nisan or Eina Ela Yoyre b'Tishu u'Malkush b'Yur. Why do you say that Yoyre, the first rain, is in Cheshvan? Remember, again, this is the beginning of the rainy season. Cheshvan, um, it's towards the beginning, and Malkush is in Nisan. Maybe Yoyre is in. Maybe move them each a month, uh, a month away. Maybe Yore is earlier in Tishrei and Malkush should be in Iyar. So Talmud Lohman, Be'ito Malkush. The Torah says, Be'ito Yore Malkush. I, the Malkush, will be at the time when it's most beneficial. If the Malkush is in Iyar, by Iyar, that's, uh, Iyar is the month after Nisan, it's already past then. And um, and you've got grain that you want drying in the field, etc. So it's very um, and it's actually destructive rain in Nissan. 
So if it would say it must mean it's in the right time for it. Omar Rav Nilai Bar Iri said Neimo Shmuel Dovar Shemal Kashoseim Shel Yisrael. Malkush is this thing that does miller on the stubbornness of Yisrael. As I mentioned before, as soon as Malkush doesn't come, as soon as it starts to delay even a little bit, then Bnei Yisrael start to do tshuva and tavan. It's essential that this rain comes in its right time for a very for a good produce, and that's why it's called Malkush. I think it's re-emphasizing why you must say that Malkush is in Nisan and not later. And um, Bamanisa Tana in Manis in a Brisa we have a different version. It's something that goes down on the sheaves and the stalks. I it's Malkush falls on the produce when it's already mostly grown. And Tonarabon we learned in a Brisa, Yore Bamar Khejvan or Malkush Benisan, that Yore is in Khejvan and Malkush is in Nisan. Ata Oime Yore Bamar Khejvan or Aina Ella Bakhoidish Kislev. Why do you say that it's in Cheshon? Maybe it's in Kislev, the month that we're in now. It says, The Torah says, In its time, Just as when we refer to Malkosh, we're referring to Malkosh coming at its ideal time, and obviously not later, so too when we speak about Yorah, we're speaking about Yorah coming at the ideal time. And Tanya Irich, a third Brisa, teaches Yoreb Malcheshvan or Malkush Bedisa, Divrei Rebbe Beyer. That's actually Rebbe Meir's opinion that we've just been learning about, that the first rains are in Cheshvan and the last rains are in Nisan. The Chachamim Omrim Yoreb Bekislev. The Chachamim say that Yoreb is actually in Kislev. So now the Gemara Man Chachamim. Who's the Chachamim? Why would they hold that these rains, Yoreb, is tied to Kislev? So Omar of Chizda Rabbi Yoisi here. Rabbi Chizda says it's Rabbi Yoisi. The Tanya, as we learned in a Brisa. Now, just before we go into this Brisa, um, two points of background information. The first one is that there are three parts of Yore. Yore is the early rain. But there are three parts to the early rain. I, a, f- a first, second, and third early rain. It doesn't, you can't have it just rain once in the season and it's done for that. So it rains, Yore consists of three rains. And then a second point that will become much more apparent, we're going to discuss it at length a bit later on in the Masechta, but if all three dates for Yore have passed, if all the dates that by then Yore should have come, then um, pious individuals start to fast. They start on the Monday, Thursday, they start fasting Monday, Thursday, Monday. Again, as the season goes on, we introduce severities and more people start fasting. But again, as soon as the Balkush, the, the Yore, hasn't come by the third date, they start to fast. Um, they start to fast. Yeah, so with that in mind, Omar of Chizda, Rabbi Yosi, it's Rabbi Yosi, the Tanya, as we learned in Abraisa, Ezehi Revere, Ishoina Habachira. When is the first, first, the the first starting point of the first revere? Revere is another term for rain. We'll uh, explain it over the page. It says bar The bechira is in Mar- the third of Marcheshvan. The middle revere is in the seventh of it, and Afela, the last one, Beshiva also is on the seventh, according to Rebbe Meir. So again, the three reviews according to Rebbe Meir are the third, the seventh, and the seventeenth of Cheshvan. Rebbe Yehuda Aymer Rebbe Yehuda says, Beshiva, 
over Yud Zayin over Esher and Shlosha. He says no. The three rains are on the seventh, the seventh, the seventeenth, and the twenty-third. Rabbi Yosi, Oimer Rabbi Yosi says no. The three rains are by Yud Zayin over Esher and Shlosha over Rosh Chodesh Kislev on the seventeenth, the twenty-third, and Rosh Chodesh Kislev. The pious individuals do not start to fast until Rosh Chodesh Kislev. Again, what are we bringing out from here? We said that part of we said that the time for Yore is Kislev, the Chachomim. And now we say, oh, who's the Chachomim? It's this Rabbi Yosi who says who when he brings down the three dates of Yore of the early rain, the third the third of those dates is Rosh Chodesh Kislev. So that's why it would be Rabbi Yossi who says that the time of Yoreh, again referring to the third rain, is in Kislev. Um, and the, yeah. Omar Rav Chizda Halacha to Rabbi Yossi. Rav Chizda says the Halacha is like Rabbi Yossi. Right? When we have, yeah, we'll discuss at the bottom of the page the relevance of why you need to know the Halacha. But he says the Halacha is like Rabbi Yossi, the 17th, 23rd of, 17th and 23rd of Cheshvan, and the third rain is on the 1st of Kislev. Amaymar actually taught Rav Chizda's teaching in the following way. On the third of Cheshvan is when you start asking for rain, and Rabun Gamliel says on the seventh of it. So Amar Rav Chizda halochak Rabun Gamliel. Rav Chizda says the halacha is like Rabun Gamliel, but that would be a different opinion because when is Rabun Gamliel says when do you start asking for rain on the seventh? That would be in line with the second opinion about Rabbi Yehuda who said the seventh, the seventeenth, and the twenty-third, not like Rabbi Yosi who said the seventh who started with the Revias at the seventeenth. Yeah, so we have a machlokes. Actually, what did Rav Chizda say? Kaman Oslo Hod Tanya. Who does the following brayser line up with? Rabbi Shimon Gamliel Omer. Rabbi Shimon Gamliel says, "Keshabim sheyardu shiva yomim zeachazeh atamoyne b'hem revir rishayna v'shniya v'shlishis." If you have it raining seven days, once after the other, it rains one, it rains, and then seven days later it rains again, and seven days later it goes again. Which opinion does that fit in? So he says, Karebi Yosi. That's like Rebbe Yosi because again, the dates just, now you can do the math, but the dates of Rebbe Yosi were the 17th, seven days later on the 23rd, and seven days later on Rosh Chodesh Kislev. Now, now the Gomorrah is going to discuss, okay, you're interested enough, it's a Machlokes Rishonim, how we Paskin. Which opinion do we go like, again, when we ask for rain, and as we'll see over the page, the other Halachas. Um, as far as I remember correctly, Shulchan Aruch says we ask for rain on the 7th of Cheshvan. I can check quickly one second. Shulchan Aruch Paskins, that's in uh, Simon Kufiud Zayn, if Aleph, at Paskins, Be'eritz Yisrael, Matchil in Lishol, Milel Zayn, Mar Cheshvan, we start asking from the 7th of Mar Cheshvan. Um, And that would, and that we've seen, that would line up with Rabban Gamliel. So it seems Shulchan Aruch like the Rambam that um, Atalocha is like Rabban Gamliel. 
Okay, carrying on now, the Gemara wants to know, what's the halachic ramification? Why do we need to know when the first, second, and third date of uh, of, fast, of, of uh, the Revere Rishonah of the first reigns is? So, Bishleimer Revere Rishonah Lishol, Shlishish Lehisanos, and Shnia Lamai. That makes sense that the Revere Shoina we need to know because that's teaching us when to start asking for rain. You're only going to start asking for rain at the beginning of the rainy season, so that would be the date of the first one. Shlishis, the third one, we know to start fasting. And if rain has not come by the third Revere, that's when the pious individuals start to fast and daven for rain. But Shnilama, why do I need to know the middle Revere? Why do I need to know the second, uh, the second date? So Amr Rebbe Zayra answers Linadorim. It's actually for vows. The Tnan, as we learned in the Mishnah, If someone takes a neder regarding something and they say up until the rain, or up until rain starts, when's that referring to? They say that's a... Uh, um, That's until the second revere. So, very Rashi explains. Um, well, firstly, you know, we know a person can take a netter to obligate themselves to do something or to forbid something on themselves. And here, this person's taking the netter, either that it ends, it seems that it ends, or that it starts at the rainy season. So, Rashi explains that. And again, regarding the Dorim, how do we determine? Um, what it's referring to is what people mean. So Rashi says that when people say until the rainy season, they don't mean the first rain of the season, they mean the second rain of the season. I guess maybe the significance, I guess, of that is things are starting to, uh, that's when it's effective to start growth, etc. Um, and, and another explanation it gives is maybe it's using the plural. The person says, Hanoider ad hagashomim. It doesn't say ad hagashom until, until the rain. It says until it rains in plural. So it has to have two rains. But either way, regarding the Dorim, that would be the importance of knowing the date of the Ravieshnir. We're going to see another explanation why we need to know the date of the Ravieshnir. It says, Ravid Omar Lezaisim. Ravzvid says it's for the olives. From what I'll explain each of these terms shortly, but just as an introduction, we know that there are certain items that you have to leave ownerless in your field for poor people. At what stage do you not have to leave it for the poor people anymore? At what stage can anyone go and collect it? So, at what stage is anyone permitted to take leket from once the nemushos have walked through the field. As we'll see, those are the people who walk extra slowly or carefully, and therefore there's very unlikely to be anything left behind, and therefore the, um, everyone gives up hope of getting it, and any and if you do find anything, anyone can take it. What Regarding peret and oilulos, at what point can anyone take it? Once the Anim have walked through the vineyard and then returned. And Bezaisim, by what date can anyone take the, the olives? 
by time the second revere has gone down, has reigned. Right, so that's the, another importance, another reason we need to know the date of the second revere. Um, so just to explain these terms, we know that a farmer has to leave leket, that is when they're harvesting the stalks of wheat or, or grain, any of the wheat that just the odd one or two um, stalks fall down, they have to, they're not allowed to pick up those stalks, they have to leave it, sorry, if one or two of the stalks are left behind, they have to leave it for the, um, yeah, I'm trying to remember, is it that they left, that they don't get harvested, or that they drop out of the bundle, um, I don't remember, but those stalks have to be left for the poor people, and shichacha is if you forget sheaves, again, they bundle them into sheaves, and then load the sheaves onto the wagon, whatever, any sheaves forgotten behind, Okay, not a significant number, but again, one or two sheaves get forgotten behind. They have to be left for the anim, for the poor people. What's payah? Payah is the corner of the field that the owner has to leave um, for the anim. Again, he doesn't even harvest it. He doesn't do anything. He just leaves it for the anim to come and pick pick there. That's So those are all regarding grain. Now, the next two that the mission mentioned was peret and oilalos. So peret is is basically grapes that fall off during the harvest. So it's very similar to leket. Um, those you have to leave for the anim. And oilalos is the odd clusters of grapes that get left behind, or maybe it's a clusters that grow in a strange way. Those also have to be left for anim. And so regarding, so peret and oilalos, so, so back to our, our Mishnah. The discussion at hand is, at what point, so those have to be left for Naniyam, for poor people. At what point would the owner be allowed to collect them, or any individual allowed to collect them? At what date can you say, I don't have to leave them for the Naniyam anymore? So the first we said regarding grain, it's when the Namushas have walked through. Regarding a vineyard, that's Peret and Ololos in a vineyard and in the olive orchards. But regarding a vineyard, it's once the Naniyam have walked through the vineyard and walked again through it. And regarding olives, when can the olives be taken? Um, once the um, so once the once the second revere has gone down, that's when the um, anim can anyone can come and collect olives. If I understood that correctly. Now the Gomorrah asks, my Namushas, what are the Namushas? We said regarding grain, we said at what point can anyone take the grain that's left in the field and it doesn't have to be left on Anim once the Namushas have walked through. So he says, so my name so Omar Rabbi Yochanan, Rabbi Yochanan says, Sabai to Ozli Tigra. It's elderly men who walk on sticks. How does, why, why should that make a, dis- a difference whether anyone? Because once the old, I guess we're talking about an Anim, but once an old Anim walking by, on his walking stick has walked through the field, remember he's going to be walking very slowly. So he's going to notice anything that's left behind by the other Anim. So once he's walked through the field, everyone gives up on the, uh, um, everyone gives up on finding anything in the field, and therefore, even if what in a way it belonged to the Aniyim, 
once these old men have walked through the field, they give up hope of finding anything because most likely those old men walking very slowly and carefully um, would have noticed everything. That's the Rebbe Yochanan's Pshat, Rebbe Reish Lakish. Omer Reish Lakish says, Likute basar Likute. It's those who collect after those who collect. It seems that people who would like going a team, let's Rashi gives an example of a father and a son. The father walks in, in, in front picking up whatever he notices and the son walks behind him picking up whatever he notices. Again, a very thorough way of going through the field. And therefore, once these nemushos, these pairs have walked through the field, everyone, all the other anim, basically say, look, there's no chance there's anything left in that field. Anyone can take it. Um, you know, just to mention, so, so we're saying that, um, so, yeah, so this is saying that, again, the, the produce kind of owned by the Aniyim, and once they give up hope, then the, um, then anyone can come and take it. Where? This, this piece, this Mishnah features in a very famous Gemara of Yeo Shalomidas. I don't know if you remember, in Baba Metzia there was a discussion. We know that if a person loses an article, and then they give up hope of, ever, of getting it back, if an oni, if someone finds, sorry, if anyone finds it, they can keep it. That's the laws of lost objects. If the owner loses it and he still expects to get it back, because let's say it had his name on or something like that, or some other siman, then when you find it, you have to return it. If he gives up hope of getting it back, then you can keep it. What happens if he has not yet given up hope? But he definitely, as soon as he realizes he's lost it. He will give up hope. So this, uh, this, uh, this, uh, this features in that discussion. Um, when are the Aniyim, do they have to know that the Nemushas have walked through? Do they actively know that they've walked through and therefore they give up hope? Or is it, um, it happens automatically um, and we say Yayosh Shalomidas is Yash. Okay, but let's go on. Don't want to get bogged down. We'll, we'll save that discussion for Baba Metziah. Um, Rav Papa Omar Kedela Halech Bishviles. Rav Papa gives a third distinction why it's important to know. Why it's important to know the date of the second revere. It's, the, it's to know when you're allowed to walk on the private paths. Everyone's allowed to walk on private paths until the revere shnir. Until the revere shnir. There was a din they made when they, were, when they were splitting up Eretz Yisrael, Yehoshua. Remember, was the leader of the Jewish people who split up the land amongst all the tribes. He made ten conditions. And one of those ten conditions to do with private land and actually giving, almost sacrificing rights for the public. One of those conditions was that while nothing's growing in your field, right, during the summer months, people are allowed to walk through it. People are allowed to take shortcuts through it. Now, until when are they allowed to take shortcuts? That's until the revere shnir. And that makes sense because after the first revere, that's when it gets soft. The ground gets soft and people start considering planting or start to just pass, to plant. But once the revere shnir passes, that's when the produce actually starts to grow. 
So if you have people just wandering through your field, they're going to damage your newly your 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 produce that is just starting to grow. So that's another nafkamina. When does this leniency that you're allowed to just walk through a private field on a private path? That's only until the revishnia. If you want to be, yeah, interest, just an interesting point on this, there are actually 10 gazeras, 10 things that were said there, that 10 conditions that Yoshua distributed the land amongst all the tribes, Eretz Yisrael amongst all the tribes, and it actually comes out that this one we're discussing now was not done by Yeshua. It's, it's an 11th one that was done by Shlomo. Okay, but that's, uh, you can look into that. Um, Rav, or when we get to Baba Kama, we'll get to discuss that. Rav Nachum by Yitzhak, Omar Levi, a fourth difference, a fourth ramification why we need to know the middle um, revere. Rav Nachum by Yitzhak, Omar Levi, Peiros Shvies. It's two burn to when you have to destroy Peiroshvis. The Tanana as we learned in the Mishnah at Mosai Nen in the Sorf in Betemin of Akashal Shvis. Until what stage are you allowed to get benefit and burn straw and stalks of Shmita produce? We know that Shmita produce you're allowed to uh, um Oh, you're allowed to get benefit, you're allowed to keep in your house produce that grew in the Shmita year. Okay, you're not allowed to go and plow your field and plant etc but stuff that just grows or that was plowed and planted in the sixth year and is growing in the seventh year you're allowed to take into your house and you're allowed to keep and you're allowed to get benefit from it that's what is meant here by the saying the the produce you can get benefit from it and burn it but until what date so the, the, we learn until the second revere has fallen so there's no mash timer what does the second revere have to do with anything? It says, as it's written, and this is important, important Russia that comes up many times. Whenever we discuss um, Shah's Biu, whenever we mention the Shmitaya, and we mention Shah's Biu, the time that you have to get rid of the Shmita projects that you've taken into your, into your house, this is the Trosha. as it's written. It will also be for the animals. Your, your domestic and wild animals which are in your land. So as long as wild animals can find it available to eat in the field, you're allowed to keep it and feed it to your animals that are in your house. However, once it's finished for the animals in the field, you have to finish giving it to the animals in your house. Right, so that's the drosha. What, if you are you allowed to keep this produce in your house? Well, is there equivalent produce in the field? So just for example, you're allowed to keep the apples from the Shemitah year in your house and enjoy them and eat them, as long as there's still apples available in the field for wild animals. By the time of the season that all the apples have fallen off the tree and started to rot, then you would not be allowed to keep in your house anymore. Regarding stalks of grain, when when are they available to wild animals in the field? Until the revere schneer, because by the revere schneer, they get all uh, moldy and muddy, so they're not really edible anymore. They kind of turn to, uh, um, to mud, and therefore they're not edible anymore. So any straw or stalks that you have in your house, you would have to live by air. 
Now there's a big machlokes Rishonim. What does it mean, levayer, to literally, generally from the from the word of destroy or get rid of? So the one opinion holds levayer means literally you have to destroy it. Any produce that you have in your house at this date, I let's say you have stalks of straw or whatever, by the date of the second revere, you'd have to take it out and destroy it, literally burn it. The other opinion. Um, The other opinion is that no, what it means is you have to make it hefker again. Uh, you are allowed to take some of the produce into your house and keep it for yourself, but by this date we're discussing now, you, would, you have to make it hefker again. And therefore anyone could come and take it. You would also be allowed to reacquire it. Because hefker means ownerless. So you made it ownerless. You can change your mind and reacquire. You can, well, not change your mind. You can then go ahead and reacquire it. But that's the opinion. What does it mean? Live air. So again, according to the one opinion, it means actually literally destroy it. And according to the other opinion, it means make it hefker again, I guess. So make it available to the animals in the field again. Um, okay, so that's a discussion of what's the ramification of knowing the revere? Shania. The second revere. Um, now, Omar Rebbe, now we go on to defining revere. What's the phrase revere? What does this word, we're using it to refer to rains, but where, what's the etymology? What lessons can we learn from it? So, Omar Rebbe Yafo, my Lord, and revere, says, what does it mean? It says, um, something that is roveya the land. Roveya has the connotations of like penetrates or has um, intercourse. And this is Kedrav Yehuda, to Amar Yehuda, like Rav Yehuda taught. Mitra Bala Darahu. The rain is the husband of the land. Shenemar, as it says, Ki asher yorada geshem v'ashelig min ha-shomayim. When the rain and the snow comes down from the heavens, v'shomo lo yoshuv, and it does not return to the heavens. Ki im harava eso oretz v'halida v'atzmeicha. It saturates the ground, v'halida, causes it to give birth. Vitzmicha and plants to grow. Uh, it's quite an explicit uh, pasuk when you read it carefully, but it refers to rain as the husband of the ground, penetrating it so that uh, and that produce can grow. You can, th- um, as I mentioned at the beginning of Shir, it's, uh, it's obviously there's a lot deeper and a lot to discuss on this topic. But rain is built in. I actually spoke a little bit about this. I don't know if any of you there on Shmini Atzeret. Rain, this concept of rain and dumbing for rain and the significance of rain, it's, it's more than just water. It's, it's built into the creation. I'm trying to remember the one example where we clearly see that it's built into the creation is it says that all the plants were just waiting just beneath the ground. Rashi brings a contradiction between two psukim. The one says that every, everything was created fully grown and on the other hand it says... It, it didn't, nothing had grown yet. So he explains that everything was under the ground. And only when Adam came and he realized the necessity of rain and could daven to Hashem, that's when the, he could daven for rain. Rain came and the produce that, again, that was fully grown, ready to um, just uh, popped above the ground. But it was essential built into creation. Um, what was the other? It just slipped my mind. There was another. There, there are lots of examples, but we see... Oh, uh, in towards the end of Sukkah, remember we discussed the the waters, the, the shisim that go all the way deep down to the depths of the earth. 
And uh, David Amelech, uh, when he was building the base Amigdash, he ran into trouble. He caused a little bit of conflict with those waters, and they nearly destroyed the world. Um, so, so what was the significance of that? Yeah, that's Boros Shis. Hashem created these Shisim, these uh, tunnels of water. I'm trying to wait, but and that was to do with the the Nisuchamayim. That would have um, the whole purpose of the creation is for Nisuchamayim, is for Bnei Israel to serve Hashem with the with the rain and stuff. But again, we see uh, um, there's this according to the Psukim and the Gemara, there's this intense relationship between the ground and rain and the essential of rain for existence and the the essential essential. Um, nature of us governing for rain. Okay, um, so, so yeah, so that's the that's the term revere again from the the term um, rovea. It says It's only considered the revere shoina if it goes into the ground a tefach. So it has to the the rain has to drip into the ground a tefach deep. Shnir, what's considered the second revere? Where it's made the ground muddy enough that you can block the opening in a barrel. And Omar of Chizder, of Chizder says, If you, if it's rained significantly to the degree that there's like mud that you can use to block up the mouth of a barrel, the, open, the hole in a barrel, then you've there's no further v'otzar. What's v'otzar? So that's again in the second paragraph of Shema. It says, um, um, if you stray and you serve other gods and you anger Hashem, v'otzar es hashomayim v'lo yemotar. He will stop the heavens and there won't be any more rain. So that's Vatsar. That's a curse on B'nai Israel. So how do you know whether you're in that stage, whether there's this curse against us and the heavens are blocked or not? So as soon as it's rained enough, that the ground's muddy enough to block up, to take some of that mud, to block up the opening of a barrel, then you know that Baruch Hashem, that curse of Vatsar is not applied that year. Vomer of Chizr of Chizr gives a further clarification. If it rains before you say Vatsar, then there's no din of Vatsar. Then you're clearly safe from that curse of Vatsar, at least that year. What is what does it mean when do you say Vatsar? So as I mentioned in Kriyashma, so as long as you say it before, as it, if it rains before Kriyashma, that's a huge brocha. And it will be a good positive rain that there won't be this classification of, of, of you're in the curse of Otsar anymore. Now, this is specifically if it rained before in the day, I before you say Shema, but if it rains before the morning Shema, well, that could still be a curse. To Omar Rabbi Yehuda, Omar Rabbi Yitzchak, Rabbi Yehuda's name, Rabbi Yehuda by Yitzchak says, "Hani anane the tzafre leisbul mashosha." The clouds in the morning are insignificant. Do you see as it's written, "My selachoy Ephraim, my selachoy Yehuda"? What should I do to Yehuda, to you, Ephraim and Yehuda? Because deichem kahn and boiker, your kindness is like the clouds of the morning. Ah, your 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 kindness is pointless. Your kindness is nothingness. It's like the clouds of the morning. So we see that. 
the rain, if it rains, it gets cloudy and rains at night before you say Kriyashma in the morning, that's not necessarily a bracha. It's pointless. But wait, don't people say that if it rains before you open the gates, i.e. early in the morning before you open your doors, donkey drivers, you might as well unroll your... Um, um, unroll your uh, blankets and go to sleep. I, there's going to be such a good harvest that year that everyone's going to have grain everywhere and there will be no need for people to transport the grain. So donkey drivers, you might as well go to sleep. You're not going to be doing anything. So what do we see? That if it rains in the morning, it's very good. It says, No, here's where it's um, overcast with thick clouds, then it's good. But here where we're saying it's bad is where it's over, overcast with um, thin clouds. Omar Rav Yehuda, Tavelashasa de Teves are melosa. Rav Yehuda says it's a good year if Teves is, an, is a widow. Now, as we saw, the rain, the revere, and the earth is a couple. So if Teves is a widow, if there's no rain. Some say because it won't stop up. The places where there's Harbotsa's Torah, and some say that it's where, no, because Shudafni won't affect the field. What is that? If Teves, if it's, if Teves, if it doesn't rain in Teves, all the yeshiva students are able to get to yeshiva. If it starts raining and the roads are ruined, they're not going to be able to get to yeshiva and learn. So that's not a good thing. Or similarly, or if it rains then, then the winds cause the mud and the dust to blow up onto the plants. That's Shidufni. And it ruins them. So that's why if it doesn't rain in Tevez, it's a very good thing. Oh, Ini, is this so? Is it really true that it's not good if it rains in Tevez? says, It's a good year when Tevez is, is uh, messy and muddy. Uh, if it rains in Tevez. So the Gemara says, Lokasha. Now this is where it's rained before and this is where it has not rained before. If it has not yet rained and it rains in Tevez, Baruch Hashem, it's good. But if it has already rained and the produce has started to grow and then it rains in Tevez again, that's, uh, that's a bad thing. Let's do a few more answers. Again, if it rains in part of the province and not in part of the, and not in, it rains in some parts of the province but not in others, it doesn't have the classification of Mishum for Otsar. Since it's easy to get whatever grows in the one half to the other half, you can move it across. So it's not a problem of Otsar. There isn't this curse of Hashem will stop the heavens. I will withhold rain from you. For three months into the harvest. And I will bring rain on one city. And I will not bring rain for another city. On one portion it will rain, etc. But what do we see? Hashem saying it will rain on one city and it will not rain on one city. And this pasuk is saying that both as a curse. I, so you just told me that if it rains in half the country and not in half the country, it's still a bracha. But we just see it clearly from the pasuk that it's still a curse. He says, no, lo kasha, hoda asa tuva, hoda asa kinimi boile. He says, no, where it's a curse is where it will rain too much. 
Uh, this Hashem saying, some cities I won't let it rain, I'll have drought, and other cities where I put rain, it will flood. That's not broken, that's not good, that's still a curse. But where it rains perfect, the right amount, even if it only rains the right amount in half the country, it's still, or half the province, it's still positive. Omar Abashi, take an Ami, we can actually deduce this because the positive says, Timoter, Tahe Mokomoto. Timoter means it will be a place of rain. Shmamina, I, people, that, it's going to be way too rainy there. Omar Rebbe Avol says, um, from when, you know what, let's actually leave this new sukya saying a brocha on rainfall for tomorrow. Have a very good day.